Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. And we're back. Hi, Adam. How are you today? Fantastic. How are you? good i am good we are uh, officially in july crazy to believe that uh we are just yeah. speeding through the summer here yeah um so you and i thought it would actually be a good opportunity to kind of take a little pause from all the financial planning conversations we've had and remember that investments are really important too mm-hmm. and for as much as we were so laser focused on everything that was happening in 2020 with investments um it's kind of felt like an uneventful year when it comes to investments thus far, but that doesn't mean there aren't things to talk about. So um, <laughs> let's call this our, I don't know, mid-year investment review. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds great. So let's start with the review part. So okay. I think as you, as, as you alluded to, right, it, it, there's certainly been headline news. There always is. It's always catching attention. We're always having conversations around the investments and, you know, should we be doing this? Should we be doing that instead? Um, but yeah, since we've gotten on the other side of the election is kind of the, the big mile marker for volatility or at least expected volatility, the market, the stock market in particular, has been fairly quiet and tame for these first six months overall. Yeah, um, we've... I've often kind of uh, framed that in the sense of market pullbacks, we define as like 5% coming down from a high point. Um, Mm -hmm. We haven't had one this year. We actually haven't had one since the election, which is the longest period of time we've gone um, without having one of those since the end of 2017 going into 2018. Um, So yeah, just from a historical context, um, I mean, we had 10, 5% pullbacks last year. A lot of them occurred after the bottom of the market. And again, it's all relative at that point. It didn't really feel that volatile um, after falling off a cliff in March. But to yeah. your point, there just hasn't, there hasn't been a lot of movement back and forth kind of seesaw effect like we typically see in a given year. Yeah, so even, even acknowledging that, um, in just looking at performance, right? How, how have stocks and bonds actually done up to this point? You know, now we're, at the midway point, there are still pockets where some, even within just stocks in general, right? Not everything is created equal. And we've certainly seen that. I feel like we talked about that in, in a recent investment-focused podcast, that the, the difference between a, a large stock and a small company stock at this point, are, there are still wide divergences between what they're actually returning. Um, you throw in international in there as well. There's just a lot of moving pieces that you see the headline news again, it's, it's the S&P 500, the Dow, we've seen the NASDAQ, we seem to be hitting all-time highs with regularity here lately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But under the surface, again, not everything is necessarily at that all-time high. So even just pulling back the curtain a little bit, the difference between large growth and large value, which the idea behind once the vaccine was kind of announced and approved back the end of last year, yeah, value November kind of value kind of took over uh, the leadership from growth. So when COVID happened, 
large cap growth companies just continued to soar, right? That's your Amazons, your Apples, your, your technology-based companies. Um, and since the vaccine, that has kind of ebbed and, and now switched to value, right? Your financials, your utilities, kind of the, the things that didn't quite do so well in a COVID-induced mm -hmm. shutdown. But now even saying that, these last couple of months, that has equalized again to uh, value is still slightly ahead, but it's it's much more evenly split, I think, than anyone would have expected at this point, thinking that we're in a pretty early part of, of this recovery. Yeah, and I guess that's the hard part to wrap my head around, because we do think like recovery, you know, everyone's talking about the economy reopening, you know, people are going to be busy for the summer. You know, a lot of the headlines we still see is now it's not unemployment is a problem it's there are nine million jobs that aren't being filled mm -hmm. you know people are quitting jobs either because of stress not enough pay um child care any number of reasons so yeah there are going to be these hurdles i think within the economy and kind of getting that recovered but it, if we add the perspective of but how have investments done through all this turmoil the s p was up close to 30 percent in 2019 it was more than 16% last year. We're hovering right around, you know, 14, 15% year to date. It seems crazy. It seems crazy <laughs> that we've had, we've had all that return um, in the broad market and we're still trying to like move ourselves forward economically. But I guess that's why um, even certain headlines here and there, whether it's unemployment, whether it's inflation, um, you know, even certain things that don't feel great, cyber attacks, and you know, is there yeah, another yeah. strain of COVID? These are things that aren't disrupting the market because there probably still is so much economic recovery to come. Yes, that's, that's absolutely the case. Okay, I think we're done here. <laughs> uh, the, the, I guess the point being, you know, when, it, when it comes to kind of looking backwards, there have been these headline things, but we really do see, to your point, volatility has been pretty low. Um, growth in the market has started to feel more widespread, not just part pockets. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we're not reading a lot of things that would give us pause for the second half of the year. Yeah, I, I had this conversation two days ago that we had a client ask the question, and now I'm switching gears a little bit, but client asked the question of if headline news right now to your point, we haven't really had a lot to talk about other than kind of inflation is, is kind of the biggest one. And I know we just we just did a, a podcast on this recently, but his point was, well, if, if inflation is, we think is going to become a problem, interest rates are extremely low, why are we still continuing to hold bonds in my portfolio? Should I not just you know start to divert towards stocks if you think stocks uh, are gonna yeah. do okay? And while fundamentally, right, that, that thought may not be flawed. We as fundamental investors take a, the approach that we're going to stick to diversification, right? Even though the, the bonds themselves may not be adding to your return potential, um, yep. they still have a critical role in your portfolio to be the ballast, to be the safety net that if at any point something comes out of left field, that you're not now overweight or taking on way more stock market risk than you could stomach. Because yeah. again, I think we, we've seen this before, right? When, when times feel good and you made the point, right? The last three years worth of returns now have been double digits plus. It feels very easy to just say, hey, I'm just going to go buy some stocks and they're going to go up 15% any given year. 
yes, that has happened the last two and a half years, but will that happen the next two and a half? Maybe. I don't know. Nobody knows is, I guess, the point. So we're going to continue to remain diversified. We may skew here or there, and we've had that conversation too, right? Tweaks that we make are minor as opposed to let's just change our risk profile on a wholesale level. It's such a good conversation because... I think you and I and our team talks about this more frequently than our clients probably understand that we do. Um, mm -hmm. Because while we're not making a lot of changes, it's a very conscious decision not to make those changes. And part of that is just having, having to stick to your guns. We are running hot, right? And I think we've talked about this in other ways. You have to start with the target allocation and we build that off a of financial plan. We did build that off of risk return uh, parameters that are appropriate not only for that plan, but for how people feel about risk. Mm -hmm. you know, so if we're targeting 60% in equities, right now those allocations are, they're pushing 65, 66, even 67. You know, so it is a conscious choice to say, we're definitely overweighting stocks right now. But yeah, we can't, gosh, we can't be the team that goes, well, let's just forget about bonds. We know we're not gonna make a lot of money there. So whatever, everything in stocks, uh, because you know how that goes, that'll be the day. You know, I, yeah, of I course. like in that, <laughs> I liken that to, I just, I just read this morning and I know we did a, a conversation um, about the fear of missing out before not mm -hmm. too long ago, you know, certain cryptocurrencies that became very popular in headlines. Mm -hmm. As one example, if you were to buy something that starts with bit and ends with coin <laughs> on April 1st, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, this is the next craze. Look how much money it made in the first quarter, like a hundred percent return was down 40% in the second quarter, right? So I think these bandwagon jumps from one thing to the other, it's a very dangerous thing. I get it, it's a recency bias, the stock returns have been so great. Um, mm -hmm. But even though we've seen really strong stock market returns and we really believe that is going to continue, to leave bonds for most people, just wholesale leave bonds, it's, it's not appropriate. Yeah, yeah, I agree, obviously. Yeah. Um, so another thing I did want to talk about, um, the volatility index. I think if, if we're going to make comments like, hey, we don't see certain bad things coming in the economy and we're not here to kind of predict what happens next. But I think certain people and, you know, that we advise and maybe on different podcasts, we've talked about the volatility index. So indulge me for a moment. <laughs> um, there is a way the market does try to gauge what is volatility, what is perceived volatility in the future going to be. And the way that it does that, if, if you and I are going to place a bet on something, um, we kind of have to know what we're at risk of losing. And the options market, not going to get into those details, but it's a way of trying to gauge, you know, how much risk is associated with this one stock if I am going to either buy it or have the option to buy it in the future. So long story short, when those option prices are, are much higher, it's because there's perceived to be more risk in the future. Um, mm -hmm. The volatility index is at 15 today or in that range. 18 is historical norm. It was 37 back in January. It was in the 80s last March, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's not to say that things can't change tomorrow, but it's certainly if the options market is a way of kind of projecting where volatility is, is gonna go, um, we're not only at historical, numbers were actually below it yeah which i mean yeah when what i obviously i i you know i i follow that 
it's something I look at, but I am absolutely guilty of kind of the, the recency bias and, and you sharing that, you know, even back in January, it was still in the thirties, just uh, again, like the last three months are in my head of just seeing the number just slowly start to come down, come down, come down. And I've seen it, you know, below 20 here recently and hearing that it was in yeah. the thirties again in January, it just, it didn't feel like that at the time. And I guess that's, that's the other thing to, to think about too, just because that, that volatility index may may show a higher or lower number it doesn't necessarily translate to the the day to day, you know, market movements. But right. yeah, it certainly it certainly hasn't felt um, like we've we've had higher numbers in that volatility index even at any part this year. Yeah, and if we just kind of relate that back to the uncertainty of last year, right? When we were talking about investments, it felt like every day with our clients. <laughs> right? It's almost like we had to pivot from being financial planners on a daily basis to, hey, psychologically, what's going on? How are you thinking? How are you feeling? Stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. Yeah. These are big picture things. When is the economy going to reopen? Is there going to be a vaccine? What's going to happen with an election? What does that mean for policy? There are many things that felt like it was going to move the market. And what do we have right now? Inflation, I guess, a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our cyber attacks on energy companies and meat companies going to be more of a regular thing um yeah. these it's not to belittle it but these do feel like mm -hmm. little ripples coming from like a little stone thrown and not some sort of tsunami like it felt like last year so it's just yeah there's not a lot right now that i think should lead people into feeling panicked in any way shape or form um yeah and we'll stick stick to the plan yeah so then on that front we'll kind of talk about outlook moving forward kind of talked about how we've gotten to where we've gotten to this point, right? Returns have been good um, for the stock market. For the bond market, returns have not been so great this year. And I feel like we've, we've talked about that recently too, right? It's interest rates are still, the, the Federal Reserve is still extremely, extremely accommodative, right? Their, their policies are meant to stimulate the economy and also support riskier assets such as the stock market. So that low interest rate environment hurts conservative savers, right? You're, you're not earning anything at the bank in a, in a savings account or a CD. Right. Bonds are, are, their yields are coming down, right? So just owning a bond, you're getting paid less and less over time here as interest rates stay essentially near zero. And now the, the looming threat of inflation, whether it comes to fruition and sticks around or not, is kind of neither here nor there for the, the here and now of owning a bond fund. Um, essentially, the 10-year the treasury, you went out and bought a 10-year treasury right now, and it's yielding 1.5%. If inflation is around 2%, you're actually losing that half a percent in any yeah. given year, right? You're safely losing your money by having it in a, in a safe position. So it's all part of the Federal Reserve's job to try to stimulate growth, right? Get the economy back and running and have the stock market kind of be the recipient of a lot of those those flows of, of dollars. So from that standpoint, um, you know, looking forward, that has tempered a little bit. But I think back to your original point, right? We believe in diversification. We're not going to abandon bonds. It's just that the outlook right now is not, they're, they're not going to be a, an adder to your return base. But then what does that actually mean for, for us moving forward? Um, and I think it is just sticking to a diversified investment portfolio, right? You said it based off of your situation, right? What does the financial plan tell us how you should be invested? 
how do you feel about risk in general? And let's let's stick to that plan. Yeah, and, and so I call that just resetting expectations, right? And and maybe some of that is the fact that if we if we you know really wrote a plan that we were going to stick to in 2017, saying hey, if we can if we can get on average a five six percent rate of return, you've probably done way better than that, um, right? But if that does mean then that maybe you're borrowing some of those returns from the future, if at some point here the stock market is going to level out and interest mm -hmm. rates are going to be where they're at, um, yeah, these expectations of double digits returns are not going to run forever. So I think it just does come back to stay within your lane. What does the plan say? You know, trust us to make some tweaks on your behalf to make sure that we are managing these things effectively if there are going to be little things that need to move. But yeah, mid-year mid review, we're not looking to do anything drastically different here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think the headlines probably will be continue to be focused on economically are things really recovering? Um, maybe it's more of a focus on individual company earnings and quality mm -hmm. companies. Um, there's still going to be policy conversations. I think that's going to happen. Dropping my earpiece here. Um, <laughs> but yeah. even that, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, the headline is a $4 trillion infrastructure bill that gets negotiated to like a million, you know, mm -hmm. policy ideas do not always come to fruition. And I think as we get deeper into the year, moving into what will be another mid-year election year next year, you know, yeah. you kind of see people jockeying and political parties jockeying for, you know, another round of elections. Um, so who knows how much negotiating goes on the beginning to mid middle part of next year. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the other the other part of of that in my head is, you know, the the old saying a rising tide lifts all boats is that, you know, the the flipping a switch of turning off the economy, you know, back in March of 2020 somewhat reset the business cycle even though it was unlike anything we've ever experienced before. So here we are how how many months? 15, 16 months now removed from kind of that initial shock to the system. And even just talking about stock market returns being essentially almost doubled from the, yeah. the market <laughs> the market lows at the end of March of 2020. Here we are in the S&P 500, almost up 100% from the bottom. It's, it's kind of hard to fathom. But, but my point is, it seems like kind of those, once the economy, once, we, once it seemed like we were able to gonna weather that storm and get to yeah. the other side, those easy returns right, where you could pretty much just pick any stock in the, at the end of March of 2020, and it's probably been really good these last 16 months, that period seems to be waning, where now fundamentals are, should start to matter again to yes. the stock market, right? You said it, it's the earnings of individual companies should start to actually factor in, which is kind of silly to say, it should always matter, but it should seem moving forward that that will be a bigger driving component of what does the market actually do? How is it reacting to yep. the yep. outside influence where hopefully we get back to actual, you know, relying on fundamental data um, and not just necessarily emotional headline driving news. Yeah. And all the more important not to just chase what seemed to work the quarter before, you know, yeah. if you kind of came into the year and went, oh, gee, I didn't really own growth. So now I'll own more growth. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm just looking at like 401k statements where it shows you like the last quarter, the last year. If you just yeah. always end up chasing the thing that was best, you know, the last quarter, oh man, you're going to be zigzagging all over the place. I think it's even more important now to recognize, 
yes, returns have gotten into a, a really great spot after what felt like mayhem last year. <laughs> Be diversified, stick to the fundamental asset allocation. Yes, you probably own some international that's only got two thirds of the rate of return of you know the equity markets here in the United States. Mm -hmm. But you still, but you still need to hold that because over time, you know, there's going to come a time where the valuations there and the returns there are going to be better than here. You know, yeah, so you, you have to do it. Yeah. So on on that front, I I did some some looking at at numbers there too, and and a lot of the commentary we're again hearing, seeing, reading, is that right the the U.S. as a whole is kind of leading the charge out of the bottom here. Right, we're we're in the not maybe not necessarily the first, but we are leading when it comes to vaccinations and just reopening the economy. There are still many pockets of Europe, especially in Asia, that are are not quite at anywhere near the vaccination levels that we are. So the thought being, right, the U.S. has outperformed pretty much any global market that you can pinpoint, and that's a big reason. Um, but now moving forward, if we start to plateau, right, because we've kind of hit maybe critical mass when it comes to the, the vaccine rollout, other countries still have room to reopen, ramp up, that that should bode well for more global investments. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But that's, like you said, that's that's the reason why we don't necessarily want to try to be super tactical to get out of the US and now we're going to move to international. No, same reason we didn't just get out of international and just move all the money to the US. We, we believe in diversification. That's why you don't put all your eggs in one basket. So hopefully over time you are rewarded for owning a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I guess that's, if there's one key takeaway from this, that's it. And we would have come into the podcast saying that we're going to leave the podcast saying that, you know, all these things are going to happen. Headlines are going to happen. We're going to look back on returns and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and at the same time, be very happy for what has happened. Um, but it's not to change how you approach things moving forward. Um, stay diversified. Um, I think volatility will pick up and almost has to get yeah. just because pendulum swings to it's been too quiet for too long there'll be some panic button pushed on something and hopefully it's not a big deal, um, but expect it and stick to the financial plan. That's really where asset allocation needs to be sourced from. Yeah. Um, certainly when it comes to people we advise. Yep. Yep. So people are going to stop tuning in and listening to us at this point because they're going to say, well, they never say anything. They just say, stick to your plan. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we could just start every podcast episode with that. <laughs> <laughs> And they don't sign on to look at our faces. I know that. So. <laughs> no, but I, look, I, I think, I hope um, that when there are these key headline things that this, it still becomes a reoccurring theme of, you know, confidence can be built by saying, yes, we yeah. paid attention. It, does this need to change our plan? It's, it is a conscious decision. It's always a yeah. conscious decision yeah. not to do something massively different uh, yeah. and be able to talk about the time when it does need to change. So. Um, yep. As it pertains to 2021, <laughs> nothing big yet. 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 All right. Anything you want to add? No, sir. All right. Appreciate your time. Uh, let's hope the second half of the year is much of the same. I agree. Thank you. Catch soon. Thanks, Adam. Bye. See ya. Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. 
Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.